0: Good morning, everybody. Uh, If we've not met before, my name is Chris. I'm the senior minister here at Andover Baptist Church. And it's a delight to be kind of leading us on in this series that we've been doing for the last few weeks called Wrestling With. And today we're gonna be talking about wrestling with moral dilemmas. So whether you're on site with us today or whether you're online with us, whether you would say you're a church person or you're not a church person, you're just kind of checking it all out. Well, we are a really pleased that you're with us And be um, absolutely convinced that this series that we're talking about and all the things that we're talking about in this series are applicable to all of us because all of us have these things that we're wrestling with. I want to tell you about a moral dilemma that I uh, was wrestling with last weekend. I wasn't very well last weekend and I'd missed a whole load of stuff that was going on that we had planned in our family. So we had people over for dinner on Saturday night, uh, so I had to stay upstairs. It wasn't COVID, I should just point that out uh, before I say anything else. It wasn't COVID but I certainly wasn't very well. So I had to stay upstairs while they all had a great time downstairs. And then on Sunday I was due to do church in the morning and I had to cry off that and other people filled in which I'm so grateful for and then we were due to go to a concert my daughter is in the Southampton University concert band and they were doing a concert in the afternoon and I couldn't go to that either so I had to stay home and then um, uh, my wife Ruth was going with my parents and they were going out for dinner afterwards so I had to miss all of that so I was feeling really miserable about the whole thing to be honest so come Sunday evening I thought you know I'm um, takeaway It's just a takeaway. I just need some sort of joy in my life. And Chinese food, I was pretty sure, would deliver it there and then. So I ordered a a takeaway. And uh, because it was just me, and honestly, because I still wasn't feeling 100%, I didn't order the normal quantity of food that I would order when having a takeaway, which is a reasonably large amount, to be fair. So just a couple of dishes and some rice. That that was it, which I know for most people would be a a lot. But for me, just a smallish kind of quantity. Needed a choice, didn't have to eat it all, didn't want just one dish. So anyway, I ordered it. And about an hour later, it arrived on the doorstep. And as the guy, uh, he left it on the doorstep, and, uh, and then went to get the, the bill so I could pay. And as I picked up the bag, I thought, this is a really heavy bag of Chinese takeaway for like two or three dishes, basically. And I looked in, and there was tons of food in there, including the two or three things I'd ordered, but a whole load of other stuff as well. There was sweet and sour chicken balls and extra portions of rice and, and uh, salt and pepper chicken. There was all this stuff in there and now i'm faced with a moral dilemma so i thought well i'll wait and see what the bill says before i decide whether to bring anything up about this so the bill arrived and it was all the bill was only for what i'd ordered so now i'm faced with a moral dilemma and because of this whole youtube thing by the way these days um more people know me than i am comfortable with to be honest So I have to be extra cautious too, because people know what I do for a living. So I'll leave it to you to decide what I did or didn't do. If you're online and you want to join in with the chat, and if you know me, you can suggest on there what you thought I may or may not have done. But there you see moral dilemma. And lots of us face those kinds of moral dilemmas. To be honest, that's a silly moral dilemma, isn't it? It's not a huge one, to be honest. But it's a kind of indicative of the sorts of moral dilemmas we might face. But others of us may face perhaps slightly more complex moral dilemmas than that. I'm sure all of you have faced these kind of things. Do I lie to my boss, even though it's only a little white lie, to cover my back? Do I bend the truth to make myself look better than I really am? Those kinds of things that we face. But we also face, I think, much more complicated moral dilemmas that are all around us. I've just been watching the news for the last week or so, knowing what I was going to be speaking about today, just looking for some of those things that may face us as moral or ethical dilemmas or issues that are around in the news. And here are just some of them. Immigration, assisted dying, sexuality and trans rights, abortion, war, and so on and so on and so on. Just from the news in the last few days. How do we wrestle with those issues, those potentially much more complicated and also highly sensitive issues? How do we come to our views on those issues? What do we allow to steer or guide or direct us when we're trying to determine what our moral compass will be? How do we change our views if we need to change our views? How do we get different understandings of what different people believe? And even if we're not changing our views, how do we live alongside people who may have very different views to us? How do we wrestle with those who disagree with our view? And can we wrestle with those things in such a way that potentially actually brings us closer together, closer to one another, and closer to God too, rather than divide us? Because having to face moral dilemmas is not a choice. We're all going to face them. But choosing to divide over them, I think, is a choice. And this is the theme that we're coming back to over and over and over again in this series. This is the heart of this series. The difference, and this is the picture that we're using through this series, the difference between wrestling and boxing. You know where I always think about those when I think about boxing I always think about those movies that have those sweaty old boxing gyms in them and you some sort of scene is set uh, in the movie perhaps something a little bit like this I always think of those kinds of, of things but you know in boxing you're standing apart from people trying to land a blow whereas in wrestling There's physical contact. In wrestling, you're actually coming together. And whilst you may be wrestling and grappling, actually, there's a togetherness about that. And so often, our natural inclination when we disagree on a whole load of things, including moral or ethical issues, is to stand apart from one another, to argue with one another, and try to land blows with our winning argument. Or we do that, actually, with God sometimes. When we're wrestling with God, we talked about this in the first week of this series, when we're wrestling with God, oftentimes, rather than uh, getting closer to God, we stand apart from God. We, we move God to arm's distance, and maybe this is something that you've done. You've put God at arm's distance and tried to land blows with your doubts or your fears or your anger or your questions about God. Rather than... Genuinely listening to another person or listening to God and and, and, and trying to wrestle with those things. That's part of the reason why I think this series is so appropriate for all of us. Whether we'd say we're brand new Christians or not followers of Jesus yet or we've been followers of Jesus for a long time. Because all of us are faced with this and all of us are faced with this choice about whether to divide over our disagreements, over our different views and opinions or whether to genuinely wrestle and grapple together and actually you know this is becoming ever more critical i'm certain of this in our society in our culture where you hear this all the time don't you on the news we're more divided than we've ever been where social media and continual commentary on the issues of our day encourage us to separate from one another to express our views in ever more powerful and loud ways Rather than genuinely listening to one another. And I want to dive into a story today from the fledgling church some 2000 or so years ago, a church that was wrestling with all kinds of issues and dilemmas, including moral and ethical dilemmas, because this fledgling church was struggling to get a foothold in society and culture. It was often persecuted. And so, in the middle of all of this, they're trying to wrestle with how to get a, a foothold into society, but also with these big and complex dilemmas that they're being faced with that they've never been faced with before. And right at the heart of this fledgling church were some key characters. And one of them was a guy called Peter. And he was one of the first followers of Jesus. And he'd been with Jesus throughout his ministry. And he'd seen everything that Jesus had done, he'd been an eyewitness to it all. And he'd changed radically from someone who denied being a follower of jesus who'd run away from jesus when jesus was in trouble he changed into a courageous and passionate advocate for jesus and for his cause he changed into being a transforming leader in the story of this fledgling church and peter had been traveling all over the shop telling people about what he'd seen telling people about jesus But he'd been sticking, Peter had been sticking to talking to the people he knew, the people who were like him. Because you see, Peter had grown up in the Jewish faith, where being a Jew was not just a religious practice, but it was part of who you were and your identity. And Peter had grown up surrounded by that. And Peter had grown up in that organization, in that institutional religion that had said, don't associate with anybody else who isn't a Jew. So, Peter had just been going, talking to all the people that were like him. Peter was having his moral and ethical compass changed by knowing Jesus. But there was still some way to go for Peter. So, Peter was sticking to talking to the people who were like him, the people steeped and practiced in the Jewish faith. And then one day, Peter was approaching a city called Caesarea. And he stopped at a house for a rest and for something to eat. And whilst he was uh, resting and waiting, he was praying, and in the middle of that, rest and prayer, he got a vision. And in that vision, Peter sensed God speaking to him and challenging his thinking. And we can find this whole story in a book called Acts, which is in the New Testament part of the Bible, which is the story of this fledgling church. And I want to read to you from Acts chapter 10. And we've got a few verses to get through in this story today. And I just encourage you to follow along however you want to do that. With me on screen here, if you've got a Bible, you can open it to Acts chapter 10. If you've got an app on your phone, if you're at home or whatever, you can do that. Or, as I say, just follow along with me as I work my way through this. So this is Acts chapter 10, verses 9, and then, and then following on from that. It says this, About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. So Peter uh, has been uh, walking and and thinking and praying, and he kind of has this vision. It says this, He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. Now, the reason why this is important is because the Jewish faith of which Peter was a part had very strict rules about what you could and couldn't eat. And God is revealing to Peter here some animals that, that Peter would not have been allowed to eat. And God is saying to Peter, I want you to, uh, to get up, kill and eat. Now imagine you're Peter here. You've grown up surrounded uh, by Jewish religious thinking and practices. You're steeped in it. This is your identity. It's who you are. And this thinking suggested, A, that you shouldn't associate with people who weren't Jews, and B, as a kind of way of marking you out as not associating with people who weren't Jews, don't eat the food that other people eat. And there were really strict rules around all of this for Peter. And there were punishments for people who violated those kind of rules. And again, just want to keep coming back and hammering this point. For Peter, this was not just about some rules that he followed. It was about who he was. It was part of his identity. But Peter has this sense of God speaking to him. And this would have been a huge challenge. And I want you to see what Peter's reaction was, which tells us what a huge challenge it was. Let's look at this next verse. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I've never eaten anything impure or unclean. That, that helps us understand how big a deal this was for Peter. Surely not, Lord. Now, I think this is a fairly accurate representation of what Peter said. Knowing Peter, there might have been some other stuff in and around that as well, but perhaps we're just getting the gist of it. Surely not, Lord. Heaven's no, Lord. Or words to that effect. So Peter is saying, God, no way. No way can I do this. But look, God speaks to him. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times. So three times this kind of back and forth goes on with with God revealing stuff to Peter. Peter going, no, surely you can't mean this. This happened three times and immediately the sheep was taken back to heaven. So now Peter is facing this huge moral dilemma. And it has less to do with food, actually, and more to do with associating with the people that Peter had never felt he should associate uh, uh, with. But the reason why this is such a big challenge for Peter is because Peter has heard the voice of God, and God is speaking to him. And God, if we read on in the story, skip over a few verses here, but but God speaks again to Peter and says, look, I want you to go and meet a man called Cornelius, a non-Jew. I want you to go and meet with Cornelius, somebody you've never met before. So as we skip forward to verse 24, this is now Peter going to meet with Cornelius. The following day, he, that is Peter, arrived in Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up. Stand up, he said. I'm only a man myself. Let's keep going. While talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. Uh, I, every, every time I read Acts chapter 10, by the way, this bit always really, really strikes me. Because can you imagine walking into somebody's house and basically saying, you know I'm not really allowed to be here, or uh, it's against the rules for me to associate with you. It's a little bit rude, I think, going into somebody's house. But anyway, he says this, he said to them, you are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. But hiya, lovely to see you. It's against the law to associate with or visit with a gentle, Gentile. And, and that was all the people who were in the room. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. Because, by the way, before God showed me this, you were all un- unclean and impure as far as I was concerned. So it's quite an opening. I'm surprised, actually, they didn't kind of kick him out there and then. But they were obviously uh, being impacted by God, too. So they have a chat. So when I was sent for, Peter said, I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you sent for me? So he visits with Cornelius He recognizes, I think Peter recognizes, not not only has God spoken to him, but God is saying, I want you to go and meet with a bunch of people and talk with them too. Because that's going to affirm what I have been saying to you. Peter, I think, recognizes the need to interpret what God has been saying to him. And he recognizes his need to do that in community with other people. See, and here's the clincher for Peter. See, Peter is wrestling with this moral dilemma, and here's the clincher. Peter has heard God speak, but then he goes to be with a bunch of other people, and they have heard God speak too. And God has ordained these circumstances, so together they figure out what God has in mind for them. Peter needs other people to help him Affirm what he said, sensed God saying to him in the midst of this dilemma. This is such a big deal that Peter needs other people to help him. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. So Peter has changed his thinking he's been challenged, he's wrestled, he's met with other people, he's talked to them, he's sensed God speaking, and Peter has come to a conclusion about this moral and ethical dilemma that he was facing. And there's a whole nother talk here, by the way, of how massive this is in the history of the church. This was a massive moment, because suddenly this key leader, Peter, in the life of this new fledgling church had been made aware by God and by others, that God does not show favoritism, that Jesus is for everybody. And this was a pivotal moment, and the church spread now far and wide, not just to Jews, but to Gentiles, those who weren't Jews too. This was a pivotal moment as they realized together that Jesus was for everyone, that they were to take his message to everyone even the people that they had fought with, even the people that they'd avoided and that they tried to keep at arm's length. It was a huge change and a massive transformation. And I think this is a great example of how to wrestle with a moral dilemma. And I think there were some things that we can learn from Peter's experience here about how we can wrestle with the sorts of dilemmas that we face. Firstly and number one, God can be the source of our help and our direction when we're trying to wrestle with things. God can speak to us about the situations we find ourselves in or the dilemmas or the ethical issues that we are faced with. And God can speak to us in all those ways that God can speak to us. That God speaks to us through his word to us in the Bible, through these accounts of others wrestling with similar things. God speaks to us. That's why it's so important that we engage with and wrestle with the Bible, with the accounts Of what went on in the life of Jesus and in the history of the church and in the history of the Christian faith through those pictures and letters and poetry and historical narrative that we find in the Bible. God speaks to us and God speaks to us in other ways as well. He speaks to us sometimes through visions and dreams and senses and pictures and images and God can speak to us through one another as well. That's why it's so important that we listen to one another. Secondly, so God can be the source of our direction. Secondly, we need other people. We need other people to help us, to help us interpret what we believe God is saying. And to help us interpret the Bible when we sense God saying something through it to us. Just like Peter did, we need other people uh, to help us. We need other people to help us interpret God's voice. Interpreting God's voice in isolation is never a good idea. Because it's so easy for us to overlay our agendas over God's. And how many times have we seen that happening? We need other people to help us to help us determine what God is saying, to weigh and test things with. Thirdly, we need to respond with humility. You know, Peter, certainly prior to these kind of moments, Peter was not really remembered as a humble kind of guy. He was impetuous. He kind of jumped off the deep end. He, he, he uh, was often arrogant. He thought he knew best. He liked to tell Jesus what Jesus should be doing. Peter was not always the humblest of people. But I think this is really fascinating how humble Peter was in this situation. There was still a bit of the old Peter. That's what I think happens when he walks in to the room and says, you know, I'm not really supposed to be here with you folks, you unclean, the people I would have called unclean and impure." I think that's a little bit of the old Peter. But Peter is changing and transforming, and his humility in going and, and sitting with other people and listening and weighing and testing and hearing other people's stories, confirming what he sensed God has been saying to him. This is a change and a transformation in Peter. He had learned and he was learning we need to realize that we need humility we need to realize that sometimes we might be wrong that sometimes maybe our views do need to be changed or challenged we do need to listen to other voices and other opinions or It may be absolutely right that we hold firmly to a view or to an opinion when it comes to a moral or ethical issue, but that we can do that humbly, accepting that other people might disagree with us and that actually we don't have to fall out to hold our opinions humbly. And finally, we need to listen to other people's stories. We need to hear other people, even those we disagree with. We need to value and love people. You know, just like Peter went and listened to other people's stories, so we need to do the same. We need to realize that God does not show favoritism. This is what Peter was learning here. God does not show favoritism to a particular group. He loves us all. And he longs for us to respond in that way, the way that God's love is for everybody. So we should respond accordingly. I think this is how we wrestle and not fight. I think this is how we grapple and not box. I think this is how we come together and not divide. We look to God, we look to other people to help us, we react and respond humbly, and we listen really well. Now I'm gonna ask uh, the other Chris, Chris Jules to come and uh, join me now because uh, I wanna hear a story from Chris about a moral dilemma that he faced and how he reacted, and we were just talking about this this morning. So Chris, just tell us quickly uh, of a story where you were faced with a moral dilemma and what you did about it.
1: Yes. Um, so imagine a much younger, fresher-faced, slightly slimmer me. Um, Surely not. <laughs> so I'd just come out of university, training uh, to build websites, basically, and make videos and all that sort of thing. Um, and I joined a, a web agency uh, in Reading, and. Um, and it was great, it was so exciting, it was like my first job doing the thing that I wanted to do, and I was so excited, um, and I was like, "Wow, God, this is amazing. Uh, thank you so much for this job." Um, and then um, you know it was, a, it was a few months into the job and um, our, our bosses. It was a very, uh, very relaxed environment. It was great. I absolutely loved it. And a few months into the job, the bosses were chatting uh, in, in the room, because we were all in the same room at this point, and, um, in the office. And they said, look, guys, we've had this really exciting opportunity. We've got you know, this client, this potential client that's going to earn us Millions. This is a massive, massive deal for the company. Um, and they said, uh, yeah, so it's for this porn agency, um, and we're going to make the website for them, and it's going to be a really great money earner for the company, and we're all going to be sorted. Um, and I kind of just sat there and thought, huh, <laughs> okay. Um, and it was one of those ones where um, you kind of know what you're supposed to do straight away. Um, so I was like oh boy Um, and they were all so excited about it it's gonna be a great thing and I was just sat there thinking oh am I gonna am I gonna say something so um, I was like Lord help me help me help me help me so then I I prayed a whole bunch um, asked my family to and my connect group to pray and I said look I've got to write an email Talking to my bosses about how if they're going to do this thing, then I can't work for them anymore because I don't believe that pornography is the right thing for anybody ever. Um, So I wrote the email and I was literally trembling as I was writing the email. Um, It was really scary. Um, And I sent off the email and they called me into the office and we had a talk about it, which was equally crazy and and very scary. Um, And then I expected the next bit to be, so we're going to let you go and it wasn't and it was so we're going to keep you and we are not going to take on uh, this particular client which just blew me away and i couldn't understand why and it was absolutely bonkers for them to turn that down that client um to this day god you know completely blew me away and i still had a job and it was amazing Brilliant.
0: so yes thank you <laughs> thanks chris i just um I saw that that is a real-life story of the sorts of dilemmas that so often we face. And I thought Chris's courage was amazing there, with no idea what the outcome would be. And that's turned out really well, but it could not have turned out so well, right? So these are the sorts of challenges we might be facing. And in that situation, that's an example of a moral dilemma where we know what the right outcome should be. We know what we're supposed to do. And many of us are faced with those kinds. Actually, we know what we're supposed to do. And maybe this is where you are at this morning. But it's about having the courage to do it. We need to pray for God to give us the courage to do it. But there might be other situations. Maybe for some of you today, that is the thing that you're facing. But maybe there's a different dilemma that you're facing. It's, it's not about doing what you know to be right. It's more of a wrestle than that. Or, or maybe you're not entirely sure what is right. Maybe you're not a Christian, or, or maybe you're exploring faith and you're realizing that, that to become a Christian, a follower of Jesus, maybe this is true for you if you're a brand new Christian, that that's gonna change some things for you. It's gonna change your moral outlook. It's gonna change some of the things and the ways you respond to ethical and moral issues and situations. And the challenge for you is, Again, to just take those steps to hear what God is saying and to respond. What does God say about these situations now that I've become a follower of Jesus or I'm moving in that direction? Well, talk with other people, share with them and, and learn. Or Maybe you've been a Christian for ages and you have some deeply rooted in, in, in views or, on moral or ethical issues and maybe they're the right ones or maybe God is actually saying, like Peter, he said to Peter, it's time for you to change, maybe. But for all of us, whatever our situation is, I want to encourage us into those four things that we talked about. To really listen to what God is saying. To really engage with the Bible. To engage with what God is saying. Number two, to listen uh, and share with other people. Talk about these things with other people. And allow God to lead and guide you through others. So that you're not overlaying your agenda over God's, but you're wrestling with others. Number two... No, sorry, number three, Ron, aren't we now? Respond with humility. And number four, listen to other people's stories even when you disagree because God does not show favoritism and neither should we. And as a church, we face these issues too so often. How are we going to respond as a church? And we're going to allow God to lead us and guide us in exactly the same way that he led and guided Peter in exactly those principles that we've been talking about today because they give us a template for how to wrestle with moral and ethical dilemmas. It's not easy, but what we're convinced about around here and I think what we all need to be convinced about is that we need to wrestle well. We need to grapple and not throw punches, engage and not box, choose not to divide, and instead to choose to listen and love. Let's pray together, shall we? Heavenly Father, we are so very well aware that there are all sorts of things going on in our lives, all sorts of moral dilemmas and ethical issues that we're facing as individuals, uh, sometimes really simple things like over-delivery of Chinese food, sometimes much more complicated things like uh, being pressured by work to do things that are not what we believe are aligned with your will for us. Or maybe it's how we respond to those issues and challenges we see around in the world around us. How we respond to other people who disagree with us. Lord God, help us to have the courage to really listen to you and to one another. And yes, help us to have the courage where we need to hold firm, to hold firm. But to do so with humility and love for others who maybe disagree with us. Help us, maybe you're calling us to change or to transform behaviors or attitudes or worldviews. Help us to respond in humility to that that you're asking us to do. And Lord God, I just want to pray for us as a church family, a church community. Help us to listen and not divide. Help us to be a place where maybe we do hold some different views or opinions, but that we hold to the fundamental truth that we're trying to follow Jesus with all of our hearts, souls, minds, and strength. Lord God, thank you that your desire still today, 2,000 years on from this story, is to speak to us. So continue to speak to us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.